Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how you doing this morning, man? I am doing awesome. Man, it's the I, w- I was about to say it's the third Saturday in October. How could you not be doing awesome? But it's not really the third Saturday in October. I think it's the fourth. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate, too, because I think earlier in the year I was doing a piece on the schedule. No, no, no. Actually, I think it's next year's game. That's what it was. I, I was trying to think. At one point, I'm, I mentioned, hey, this is awesome. The Alabama-Tennessee game is going to be on actually on the third Saturday in October. And then when I was looking at the the calendar, I was like, oh, man, I, I might have missed that. And then now that I'm realizing it, I was talking about when they released next year's uh, schedule a couple weeks ago. I'm pretty Perfect. sure it's actually going to fall on the third Saturday in October. So it's for once uh, in forever, it's actually going to make sense. Yeah, and uh, it really is. I, I think people make too much, Clint, of, of the win streak in this one sense. Why does a rivalry have to be a 50-50 thing? Why does a rivalry have to be – I mean, who, I, I don't know in the definition of rivalry it requires an even matchup. Uh, to me, I, I just I, – I equate rivalry to tradition. Uh, it's, it's an annual tradition. We play Tennessee every single year and have forever – uh, you know, I, I could I couldn't name well, last year didn't happen. I suppose in the fifties or something. Uh, it, it's it's a it's an annual tradition to me. That's what makes it a rivalry. We play them every year. Whenever you see the same team year after year after year after year, it's rivalry. We, they're, they're they're on the schedule. When the schedule comes out, Tennessee's on it. Well, and I think that for people who have been Alabama fans for a long time, uh, even dating back to the early 2000s, um, you know, the late 1990s, you understand that it's a rivalry because you've seen the other side of it. You know, I can remember when I was, um, I want to say, what year did we move up there? I guess in the third grade, in the third, fourth, and fifth grade, I had been living in Athens, Alabama, North Alabama. Uh, We moved to Sevierville, Tennessee, which is about 30 minutes outside of Knoxville. And the entire three years that I was up there as a kid, Tennessee beat Alabama every single year and we had tons of family friends and we go over their house for the game and pretty much just get stomped uh, every time we went over there. Um, And so, you know, I can remember that in the first year we moved back to Athens, um, you know, was the first year Alabama beat Tennessee in forever. And so I was, uh, I was not up there for that. And it was unfortunate because I had a lot of trash talking back to go the other way uh, that deserved to go back the other way. But and then, you know, now it's been it, it has reached a point where it's lost some of its luster, but it's not it's more so because of where Tennessee's program is at, not because of the fact that Alabama beats them every year. You know, if they kept more of these games competitive because they had a better program, you know, Auburn does have more success against Alabama than Tennessee. I'll fully acknowledge that. 
but they also have games that are just it, it, their battles and their classics. Uh, sometimes right. Alabama comes out on top. Sometimes, you know, uh, Auburn does, but with Tennessee, I think there's been one or two close games in the last 14 years. Uh, one of them being Kiffin when he was the head coach, the 12, 10, I want to say a couple of years later, there was another close when I was doing some research, uh, I could go find the year. I kind of forget which year it was, but um, 15, I think yeah. 15, Derrick Henry year was sort of, uh, I wouldn't say the outcome was in doubt so much as uh, Alabama was not blowing out Tennessee with five minutes to go in the game. Uh, we needed kind of a late touchdown from Derrick Henry to, to, to where, you know, up by two or three scores. And that was that, but uh, I think 15 with a game against Butch Jones was sort of close. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Um, I want to say on, on one of the final drives, they kind of rode Derrick Henry and he scored a touchdown with a couple of minutes left and, and helped win them the game. So yeah, that was the other one. Um, you know, it, and so it's just, it hadn't been very close in the last decade and a half. And, you know, I will say this, if you're an Alabama fan, you need to prepare for this as much as I'm sure everybody would love to go 40, and know, over the next 40 years against Tennessee, at yeah. some point, Alabama is probably going to lose. And the trash talking that is going to, what's going to happen is, is it's instantly going to become a massive rivalry again because there's going to be so much hate and trash talk finally being able to come from the other side that Alabama fans are going to despise Tennessee fans. Um, it will be mustard. <laughs> we went from popcorn to mustard. Isn't that funny how that works? Um, a lot of food <laughs> objects lately. I don't know what's going on. Uh, what, what'll be the theme this week? We're going to have a food theme this week. Uh, for myself, uh, about uh, maybe, maybe some, uh, some steak at Nick's and the Sticks. That's about we'll, it for me. We'll also include alcoholic beverages in there, so you can also say bourbon. That's an acceptable answer. Uh, partic- hey, it could be a big weekend for me personally between, uh, between Alabama beating Tennessee again and my Atlanta Braves potentially punching ticket to the World Series. Uh, this could be a big uh, bourbon weekend in the uh, Tuscaloosa condo. Man, I – got to happen it's got at last year and i'll say this like I've, I've i've been always been up front not a huge baseball guy sitting there watching 162 you know regular season games or whatever it is that's never been me um i i keep up with the atlanta braves i know when they're kind of doing better um and i'm what i mean by that is not keeping up with individual players and stuff just how you know oh they're on a five game winning streak or oh man they've lost seven in a row um, you know, that's pretty much the extent, but then around this time of year, I'll become a much bigger fan. And, and so I'll never claim if they win a world series, I'll, I'll be thrilled mostly because I get more into it because a, they're going further and my friends are a lot more into it. And so it's fun to get involved with them. And like I said, my granddad was a huge Braves fan back in the day, did watch every single time they were on TV. So I have experience with it. Just, uh, I, I last year I got really into it uh, late in the year, and I'm not a fan of the Dodgers. And so, hopefully, they're <laughs> able, able to actually get get past them this time. Um, which you know they're in good shape, but they were in great shape last year. So can't count your chickens before they hatch. Feels a little different this year. Feels it a does. little different. Uh, they're they're the they're the hottest team in baseball. They're the hottest team in baseball. They've they've been and they've been this way actually before the playoffs. Pretty much starting about. I don't know, right around September 15th. Uh, they, they, I think they've only lost four times. To, uh, and, yeah, they're, they're, they're just uh, on a roll, and it's everything clicking, the starting pitch in the bullpen. Uh, they're hitting the ball. Uh, they're playing defense. I mean, uh, they're, they're a well-rounded, really good team. It's amazing with their payroll. They're doing this with, with half, half of the Dodgers' payroll. 
<laughs> that is incredible. And I mean, you know, you start talking about star players for each team. Uh, the I don't know what the Dodgers are looking at as far as injuries they've you know accrued, but I know uh, the Braves have certainly been hit by sure. the injury bug. Um, and it kind of makes you wonder: uh, would they be that much better, or was the, some of those guys being out? I mean, does that kind of help bring the team closer together, and you know, maybe take kind of an underdog Cinderella story type of thing, and really? make a push. I don't know. I mean, I've been keeping up, so I couldn't really speculate one way or the other, but it's been fun. I've been enjoying it. Watched the game last night. Um, you know, I, I gotta be honest. I, I kept thinking at some point it's going to crumble. And the fact that they didn't, I can see where Braves fans, big diehard Braves fans feel like this year's different because so far they've kind of proven, um, you know, to be able to rally and, and be able to withstand, uh, you know, any sort of push from the Dodgers. So, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for everybody else that keeps up with it. Um, and I hope it continues, but uh, you know what, at some point, I mean, I, I don't know if they go to the world series, uh, we might start spending like five minutes every, and I'll let you do like 90% of the talking because I'm not going to offer anything from an analysis standpoint, but I'll just do the fan reaction thing and let you tell me, you know, what I can expect. Uh, you know, should I, I be getting ready for heartbreak or should I get, be getting excited? Um, if they move on, uh, but for today, we're talking Alabama, Tennessee, because that's who's next up on the schedule. Then you got a bye week, um, you know, third Saturday in October, like you said, that's not on the third Saturday in October, but, you know, beside the point, um, you know, 6 p.m., Bryant Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. It's going to be aired on ESPN. Alabama's a 25 point favorite right now, according to Vegas Insider. I think the over under is like, uh, 67. So I think that's a final score prediction of like 46 to 21 ish. Um, if my math is correct. So that's, that would be a pretty big win for Alabama, but give me some of your initial thoughts going into Saturday. You know, where I'll start is, is that score, uh, the Vegas score, the anticipated score that's got Tennessee scoring 21. They are a good offense. Uh, to, to me, it, they're a good offense with Hendon hooker. They have not been good on offense with Joe Milton. And I think it's the key to the game not really outcome because I would expect Alabama to win the game. Even if Hendon hooker is Tennessee's quarterback, I'm just saying hooker gives them more of a chance. His numbers have been really spectacular. I went back uh, for a piece on the Bama on three message board and, and looked at all of Tennessee's games against power five opponents. And, you know, in terms of the score and the stats and just kind of given a general overview of how Tennessee performed in each game. And uh, what stood out to me when I went by game by game was the production from Hooker. Uh, he's a, been a very efficient passer. Uh, he doesn't throw it 50 times. He's not throwing for 400 yards. But what he's doing is is consistently in that 18 for 24 and 210 yards, really efficient and productive without, you know, wow numbers. But what will wow you is like his performance against Ole Miss, where he was something like, you know, that 19 for 23, 220 yards. Oh, yeah. And then he rushed for over 100 yards, too, which is a remarkable performance uh, in an SEC game. So Hendon Hooker has made a giant difference for them. And in terms of Tennessee's resurgence this year, if you want to call it that, uh, their resurgence, in my opinion, uh, two things, uh, Josh Heupel's offensive designs. Are, are far superior to what Tennessee's done in the recent past. And secondly, it's Hendon Hooker. I mean, it's him. Uh, it, it, he's, he's showing what the difference a playmaking, talented quarterback will make. Uh, if, if Hooker plays Saturday, I think Tennessee can get to 21 points and the game might be 
within a three wood of being competitive. But if, if he can't go based on what we've seen from Joe Milton running the Tennessee offense, it could be a, a long night for Tennessee. And that country music guy, Connor Smith, is going to have to write another song. <laughs> you nailed that. Uh, that is the key to the game, is Hendon Hooker, in my opinion. Not the key to a victory for Tennessee. Now, granted, I think any chance that they have is based off of Hendon Hooker, but I do think that their ability to keep it close and make it a respectable game is going to be dependent upon how not only you know does Hendon Hooker play, but if he does somehow play, how healthy is he? Uh, because his ability and his efficiency as far as being a passer, yes, that's due to Josh Heupel's, you know, uh, offensive scheme and the designs of plays makes it very simple. You know, quick reads, gets the ball out of his hand on quick slants, good decision maker, and then he's able to utilize his legs on the RPO stuff. And it's also what has really helped Tennessee's running backs be so effective. Um, they've got this master game plan of, you know, you got the dual threat quarterback and with his legs, it takes pressure off the running backs because a defense's attention has to give respect to that quarterback's ability to run the football. And then, you know, so it makes them more effective. The quarterback obviously has his legs and you get that short, you know, good timing on the, uh, on your passing attack. He's not going to really threaten you deep too much. Um, but it's just been very efficient in the Josh Heupel offense and, They've been fun to watch. Um, they, they've had, they've went kind of spurts. You know, they they start off you know absolutely dominating Missouri, kind of tailed off a little bit. Same thing the next week versus South Carolina. Came out swinging, looked incredible. Kind of you know started to to fall off a little bit over the course of the game. But they've been fun to watch. But it all starts and ends with Hendon Hooker. I mean, this was you're right. This was not even close to being the same offense or team when Joe Milton was the starting quarterback and. You know how where's where's he at from a headspace standpoint after last week? I mean, you have the, the the chance to win the football game against Ole Miss on the final play of the game. You end up accidentally passing the the line of scrimmage. At that point, you've made a mistake. I'm turning around and trying to pitch the ball to somebody, trying to make something happen. He just concedes that he that he screwed up and steps out of bounds on you know his own free will, and and Tennessee loses the game. And so. You know, he, he got destroyed for that on social media. How does he respond if he is end up, you know, pressing, you know, pressed into action? Now, here's the thing, though. With Heupel, uh, he's been saying all week that Hendon Hooker has been playing a little bit or practicing a little bit. Um, you know, that they're still not sure if he's going to play. Personally, based off of what we saw last week, I, I'm calling BS. I think they're wanting to give Alabama something to prepare for. Um, and, and try to put as much strain on Alabama's defense in their preparations as possible. Now, I could be wrong. Hooker may end up playing. If he does play, I highly doubt he's super effective because of, you know, he's probably going to be pretty banged up. Um, but, I, you know, what, what benefit would it give Josh Heupel right now at this point in the week uh, to, to go ahead and say Hooker's not going to be playing, it's going to be Joe Milton? Because what does the storyline become then? Everybody's just focused from is Hendon Hooker going to play to – what is Tennessee going to be able to do with Joe Milton? And that's going to put that much pressure on him. All the talking points this week is how bad he's been. And so I think it's a smart move to go ahead and say, hey, it's possible Hooker ends up playing. Uh, we're not going to rule him out yet. He's trying to get back. Um, and maybe he does. Maybe I'm completely wrong about that. I just think that that's my you know opinion. Um, it would be quite the comeback uh, in a short period uh, based off of what we saw last week during that old Miss game. Yeah, I, and Hypel has every advantage, every reason to, 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 to put, put it out there that Hooker might play because I would think Alabama's defensive plan would radically change. I, I, think, I think you would have two radical plans. Not so much that their skill sets are hugely different, uh, 
but but their performances and and against Hooker, you got to be careful. You might even have a spy out there. I mean, he rushed for over 100 yards against Ole Miss, and that wasn't even shocking. You know, I mean, you can expect that sort of performance from him. You, you almost have to have a spy out there that you wouldn't have, I think, with Milton. With Milton, you could also blitz him to death and make big plays off the blitz. Against Hooker and you blitz, uh, you might get there a few times, but a couple times, you know, that Tennessee band might be playing Rocky Top because Hooker can beat the blitz uh, with his arm. Or he could uh, he could dodge some things with his feet and, and score. So I think you just have to be more careful how you defend Hooker against Milton. You could just pin your ears back because you wouldn't worry too much about bad things happening. To be honest, now uh, you know you make a, a great point about Milton's final play against Ole Miss. I mean, there's two directions to go from that. You, you know, he he might be utterly incapable of, of performing after such a not just such a bad play, Clint, but everyone that watches college football was watching when that happened. I mean, they were the only game on that time of night. The game ran really late. There were all sorts of headlines about what was going on. So people that weren't watching the game flipped over to watch it, maybe even casual sports fans. And they all saw him do that. Uh, on the other hand, uh, this is his opportunity to, to make up for it. Uh, so, so maybe the kid plays out of his mind, but so far, it's been hard to, to be impressed with much that Milton has done. But Hendon, Hendon Hooker has done as much for his team at quarterback than anyone in the SEC. And I'm including Bryce, who may win the Heisman, uh, and Matt Corral, who may win the Heisman. Uh, they got better dudes around them. They got a better defense. They got better better skill guys, a better offensive line. Uh, Hooker's doing a lot of this on his own, uh, and, and you really have to commend the kid for that. A hundred percent. You know, and that's why it's so hard to gauge how this game's going to go when trying to analyze it. Because if Hendon Hooker plays, like I've I've said, um, that adds something different. Um, how healthy is he? And you know, if he's not the same player, then you know that that will make the the game drastically different. You know, you look at stuff like points per game, and Tennessee's ranked just outside the top 10 in the country in points per game, averaging almost 40. You know, you talk about their balance offensively and defensively, and like four of their last five games, they've gone for 200-plus yards rushing and 200-plus yards passing. Uh, very balanced approach, but a lot of that balance, the success from the running backs, the, the success in the ground from the quarterback, you know, a lot of that is is dictated or or based on Hendon Hooker's ability with his legs and and the strain that that puts on opposing defenses, you might not be able to get that. And with Joe Milton back there, do they bring that same balance? Can Alabama key in a lot more on on the running backs? You know, the Tyon Evans, the the, the Jabari Smalls, the Laneith uh, Whitehead, um, the 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 redshirt freshman. They've got a great stable of runners who have all been very productive. I just don't know how much of their production. Uh, is the result of of the pressure that Hendon Hooker takes off of them. Now, the offensive line, great run-blocking offensive line, not a great pass-protecting OL. So, you know, it doesn't matter who's back there at quarterback. I would expect Alabama's pass rush to be able to have a lot of success against this Tennessee offensive line. Uh, you know, you look at what they did last week. I think Mississippi State is a much better front. Um, you know, Tennessee's got some players. Uh, you know, the Mays brothers are pretty good. The right tackle in the center. I'm not sure what their health status is. You know, Cade Mays, I think he left the game. I don't know. I haven't really looked into, you know, what his status is, but I think he's questionable, might play, might not play. Um, you know, that drastically changes things because he's by far their best offensive lineman. 
and that's just another another exploitable place for Alabama's defense. Um, but you know, like I said, you start looking into all these numbers, and all of them, you know, should be relevant because you're trying to figure out how the game's going to play out. But you don't know really what Tennessee is offensively. You kind of do because of you know you've seen Joe Milton. He was the starting quarterback to start the year, and it wasn't great. And it wasn't great when he came into the game against Ole Miss last week. Um, so you kind of do, but at the same time, you don't want to assume that just nothing has improved or, you know, maybe some of these other guys started getting some momentum and what's going to be around Joe Milton now uh, with more confidence and experience is a lot better. You know, uh, Jones, the, the receiver, I think is, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, Velas. Velas. I think it's Velas. Velas? Like, yeah, like, I think it's pronounced like Velas, not Velas, I, I believe. But Well, they, you know, he he's, they moved into the slot. That was a great decision on their part. He's been a lot more productive there, yep. has been their best receiver. Um, you know, Jalen Hyatt last year against Alabama, two catches for 86 yards and a touchdown, you know, averaging over 40 yards a catch. It was only just the two, but two very big plays from him. He had, he's, I kind of thought he would continue to trend towards being a very good SEC receiver, and he still could. He's still young, but he just hadn't had the impact in year two that I thought he would. Um, so, but you know, he's going to be involved. I think he's considered a starter Cedric, uh, Tillman, you know, he's kind of their big body possession receiver, six, three, like 215 pounds, kind of move the chains, um, be a reliable target underneath for whoever starts at quarterback. You know, I like Tennessee long-term and, and I'll give Hypo a lot of credit. I mean, the guy just with what we thought he was going to have to work with, with all the transfers and, and the scholarship issues to be doing what he's doing at four and three. And we're talking about their offense giving Alabama's defense trouble. If Hendon Hooker is not only playing but healthy, that's a testament to what he's been able to do in year one. And, you know, um, some people criticize the hire when it was made. Uh, him being an offensive guy in, in today's college football, I think long-term it could end up working out for the Vols. Yeah, long-term it's just going to be about recruiting. I mean, to me, to me, the SEC is uh, kind of weird to say this, but, but it's, it's, it's a recruiting conference about that. You have to have dudes to win in this league. Uh, everybody's just too good. You have to be really good and talented. Uh, schemes aren't going to do it. X's and O's aren't going to do it. I knew when Mississippi State hired Mike Leach, I'm like, well, the, you're not going to scheme your way to wins in this league. You have to have dudes. So for Josh Heupel to be successful, it, it to me is entirely dependent on recruiting. But I, I think he's already proving, Clint, which is impressive to me, that uh, that he can really coach. I mean, he, to, to me, a, a, a guy that's doing a good job of coaching is you look at the guys he has and you think, how good can they be with that roster? And if they're winning uh, as well as could possibly be expected, then the coach is doing a hell of a job. Uh, even if even if that means three and three or two and four or, or, or six and four. Uh, you know, is, is he squeezing as many wins and points and production as possible out of his team? And, and to me, Heupel's doing that. So uh, I'm impressed with what he's doing. Uh, but for him to have long-term success, it's going to be about about dudes. Um, you know, you look who Tennessee has played. Here, here's what's kind of funny in their, their schedule. They've played Florida, who I think is good. Is Florida good? I, I I'm not sure. <laughs> they, they played Ole Miss, who, who, oh, I, who I believe is good. Uh, Ole Miss has a record that looks good uh, in terms of win-loss. But, uh, you know, is Ole Miss that great? They're not that great defensively. Uh, Tennessee hasn't played Georgia. They haven't played Kentucky yet 
Alabama will be the best team they've played to date, no doubt. So Tennessee has been impressive, but really they've been impressive against average to bad teams. The two good teams they've played were Ole Miss and Florida. Florida beat the crap out of them, frankly, 38-14, although Hooker's numbers were pretty good in the game. But uh, I don't know if, uh, you know, they played well against Ole Miss, or at least the score made it look close. But was it really that close? Uh, You know, Ole Miss was in control of the game until it got kind of crazy at the end. This is tough, man, because I've been going back and forth. Uh, You know, I'm just going to probably go ahead and assume Alabama's going to get a pretty big victory, um, and that 25 points might even be doable just because there's so many unknowns with Tennessee. And typically when there are so many unknowns with a team, uh, you know, you typically want to stay away from Milan. But at the same time, the way I'm kind of approaching it is even if they had a fully healthy Hendon Hooker and their offense was, you know, really good, I'm not saying that I think that they would win by 25, but I do think that they would win by, you know, multiple scores. And so, you know, if you were having to lean one way or the other, um, you know, you would think that it, I'm just going to go ahead and assume based off of what I saw last week on the field when Hendon Hooker got hurt, it looked really serious. And I'm surprised that he's right. even being considered as an option for this game. And so I'm going to assume that even if he does play, he's not going to be healthy. Um, but you're right. I mean, I love what Josh Heupel has been able to do, you know, having this, the spread passing concepts, uh, concepts, he's got the zone read rushing attack. Um, you know, it's very good combination of what he throws at defenses that has allowed Tennessee to have success this year. And, you know, you think with the scholarship limitations and all the transfers they've had leave from a recruiting standpoint, Surely to goodness, you know, it's only I understand that they might not end up having elite recruiting classes. Now, granted, if he proves to be a great coach with Tennessee's kind of brand and their history, I could see them becoming a very popular place for recruits. But, you know, um, even if they struggle a little bit and they're not quite doing incredible things on the recruiting trail yet, as long as Hypo is able to take the talent he's got and squeeze every little bit out of it, like you were saying, I, I think they're going to become more and more competitive each and every year because his, his his roster should only get better no matter what, you know, kind of moving forward uh, because he'll be able to get more of his guys in there, the guys that he wants. He'll have guys who are buying in. You know, you don't have to deal with all the roster turnover from last year with the transfers and, you know, whatever. It seemed like everybody ended up in, in Norman, uh, Oklahoma, it, it just felt like. But with guys went other places as well. Um, looking at Alabama's offense versus Tennessee's defense, that'll be the final thing we talk about here. Um, you know, I like Tennessee's defensive front. I think, you know, with guys, you know, they got their own Byron Young, by the way. Don't get, get yeah. confused on Saturday. But uh, Amari Thomas has been good. Matthew Butler, Latrell Bumpfist. I think they got a little bit of depth up front defensively, and I think that they're pretty good. You know, they're much better at stopping the run. I don't see any elite pass rushers. Um, I think Alabama's inside run game might have some trouble on Saturday. Uh, I think, you know, if you try to try to run outside the tackles, you'll have more success. And if you throw the football, especially on the short to intermediate stuff, I think you're going to have a lot of success because the way that Tennessee likes to run their defense with that cover three scheme, they're trying to keep you from having big plays downfield. They want to force everything, you know, keep everything in front of them, force you to kind of nickel and dime your way down the field. And so I think this could be a huge day for guys like, you know, Treshawn Holden, for John Mechie, certainly. Uh, you know, JoJo Earl, potentially Slade Bolden. That's another one who could end up having a pretty, you know, I could see him going, you know, five, six catches for 60, 70, 80 yards. I wouldn't be shocked if Bolden was somewhere in that range, maybe a touchdown. Um, so, you know, from Alabama offensively, what are you kind of looking for or expecting 
against the Vols. And, and it, it might not just be about the X's and O's and how they match up. It might be like, what are you hoping to see uh, as far as, you know, making improvements or keeping things going or whatever? Yeah, I think hoping to see is kind of where I'll start. I've always felt that Nick's offenses, and I'm not talking about, to me, there's like a, there's a few dividing points in what our offenses look like going all the way back to 07. But but the latest one, I would say, sort of started with Tua, uh, you know, post Jalen Hurts, kind of started with Tua, continued through Mac, and is now continuing with Bryce. What, 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 I, but, but even before then, when we weren't quite as good throwing the ball as we do it now, because now we throw it as well as anybody in the country, and we have since 2018, since 2018. We throw the ball as well as anybody in college football, and that's thanks to Tua, Mac, and now Bryce. But even before that, what I love to see from Alabama, where I think we've always been super effective in winning games and winning them sort of big, is this: there's an old saying, and, and it's especially uh, relevant in the NFL, uh, throw to the lead, run to the win. And, and, and that, that's, that's what, what I, I, I think we were good at that even in the McCarran years and the McElroy. And what that simply means is, hey, come out firing. Come out with your best stuff. Come out with your big play stuff. Come out up tempo. Come out throwing it. Spread the field. Make them defend the, the width of the field, the length of the field. Make plays with J-Mo. Make plays with Mechie. Throw it to, to, to the slot. I think Treshawn Holden is a guy that may show out again. Uh, throw it to the back. Mix it up. I'm not saying ignore the running backs. Uh, ju- just come out firing in, in terms of like, hey, we're, 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 we're sort of funning and gunning it. And then you get your two or three touchdown lead and get Tennessee out of their game plan. And then we get the ball back. Then it's B-Rob. Then it's Roy Dell. Then it's two tight ends. And then it's keeping the ball and not just running the clock. We can be so good running the ball when we're on all cylinders that, yeah, we're running clock. We're keeping them on the sideline and we're driving the length of the field and scoring the football. I mean, I'm not talking about taking the air out of the ball and not scoring. I'm talking about just scoring differently after you get that big lead. That's my hope. That's what I would like to see. I would like to see Alabama race off to a 21-0, 28-7 lead, and then it's B-Rob from there. And uh, and, and then if that's if, if Alabama does it, I, I see them winning or somewhere around 42-14. to 14. I love that. I love the breakdown, um, you know, because I agree with pretty much all of that. And we we agree a lot on here, by the way. And, and I'm sure that it might be more entertaining if we didn't. But I'm not going to create controversy just to create controversy and disagree well, with people something. People want our opinions. People yeah. want our opinions. And if they if they're the same opinion, then why? You know, and I know I know for a fact there are people out there who do that. They they'd rather have the controversy and the arguments and the debate. Um, and so. You know, they'll yep. just, you know, one will pick one side, one will pick the other, and it's not even really their opinion. And we're, I'm not, I'm never going to do that. If I disagree with you, I'll be upfront about it and say I disagree. If <laughs> I agree, uh, but you know, that's getting off on a tangent again. But, you know, what I'm also looking for on, on Saturday, um, you know, one thing that we figured out is Nick Saban is very good at kind of getting got, you know, he will use the media to, you know kind of criticize or point things out to his players but when the media is being what probably you know too harsh on a guy or they're kind of kicking a guy you know a little bit too hard or whatever however you want to put it he's very good about figuring out ways to build them back up and whether that's getting them involved in the game plan 
whether that's, you know, we, we a lot of people have been criticizing DeMarco Helms for his play this year. Both of us have. Uh, yesterday, you know, Nick Saban provided injury updates on multiple defensive players, and Helms was one of them. And apparently the, that ankle injury that caused him to miss some games early in the season, it, it is making an impact. Um, on, you know, that's still a lingering issue. And so a lot of us who have been critical, you know, we've even mentioned, you know, you've mentioned uh, on this show, there might be something going on, you know, with that ankle. It might be lingering. Uh, it might be slowing him down. According to Nick Saban, uh, I, and I think that the point of him saying that was, hey, if he's not playing up to your standard uh, as a fan and you've been watching him or, or the media and you've been criticizing him, you need to understand the man's not playing at 100%. And, you know, I, it makes a lot more sense now. And Nick Saban also said, hey, we view him as a starter. Even though he didn't start against, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mississippi State last week, He's still viewed as one of our starters on defense. Uh, but what it, and the whole point of me saying all that was to say, you know, you started seeing on the field too, people were super down on Jaleel Billingsley. As soon as he started to get his mind right for a while, like he did, Nick Saban made sure that he was, and it might have not been Nick Saban, it might have been Bill O'Brien, but Alabama made sure that he was more involved in the game plan to start getting his confidence back up. To me, the tight ends right now, um, you can simultaneously do two things. You A, the game plan to utilize the tight ends on Saturday can be a winning formula to scoring points. So it's not like you're trying to force it just to get them their confidence back. But while you're also having success doing it, you will also be getting them back to a point where they're contributing more. They're more confident in their hands. You know, they're, they're, they're getting past some of their mistakes over the last couple of weeks. So I would like to see them utilize the tight ends more, which, you know, on that, you know, soft zone stuff like they are going to try to do, you know, Tennessee uh, on defense, you can certainly utilize your tight ends. Um, so I would expect some usage out of them. You know, they, they did it with John Mechie too. It's like everybody had been criticizing him. He became a huge part of the offensive game plan last week against Mississippi State. Now we're all singing his praises, um, and he's got his confidence back. You know, I think it's time to do that for your tight ends. Um you know, uh, who have been struggling the last couple of weeks. So that would be something that I would like to see as well. Um, so Jimmy, is your final score 42, 14? Is that the prediction? It, it is, uh, it is. And, uh, that, and I'm basing it again. We started the show with, with the, the, the critical thing. And that's what I think the, the top takeaway for people our, our listeners that are listening, like, Hey, I listen to Jimmy and Clint show. And, 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 and this is the, this is what they said. And, and it's it's all about Hendon Hooker. And again, not that Tennessee uh, is likely to win the game, even with Hendon Hooker, but Hooker himself makes the game more interesting. Hooker himself can make the game more competitive. I'm gonna assu- I'm assuming that he's not gonna play, or he's gonna play injured or not at a hundred percent. So uh, me saying Tennessee's gonna end up with 14 is sort of probably that's mostly with Milton or a hooker that's less than a hundred percent. So uh, I, I kind of topped them out at 14 and uh, Tennessee's not great defensively, but they're also not putrid. They're not Missouri who is for whatever reason, Missouri is one of the worst defenses in the history of the sec. And I'm not even kidding. I'm, I mean, look it up. <laughs> they're one of the worst defenses <laughs> that's ever played in this league. Tennessee is nothing, nothing like that. Uh, but they're also not Georgia. Uh, I, I think Alabama scores right around its average uh, off the top of my head. You might even know this. I think Alabama's averaging 45 points a game. I, I, I think, you know, Alabama's going to hit right about its average, but I, I'm going to say 42-14. I love the the Alabama side of things, and, and I'm right there with you uh, really on both of them. 
the way that I'll put it to people for t- from Tennessee's perspective, I think Joe Milton's the quarterback on Saturday. That's going to be my assumption. I could be wrong on that, but uh, and I feel pretty confident in it. I would say if he is the quarterback, you're looking at either you know three field goals or you're looking at two field goals and a touchdown. So I'm going to say that they're going to score between nine and thirteen points. Um, you know, so you being right there at fourteen, I, I think that that would and you said that was kind of where you're viewing them, that's right in, the, in line uh, in the same area. So I totally get that. And then from Alabama's perspective, I would put them somewhere in the, the low to mid 40s. So 42 certainly falls. You know, it, I could see them getting to 45. I don't see this, and I could be wrong. I don't see this being a 49 or 52-point output. Um, I think Tennessee's got a pretty good defense. I think, you know, Alabama getting up into the 40s at all, I think some of that's going to be some defensive stuff that ends up happening. You know, Malachi Moore had the fumble return for a touchdown last year. Um, you know, you had uh, you have playmakers all over this Alabama defense who can create game changing plays. And we saw it against Mississippi State. You know, you had the pick six, you had three total interceptions, you had seven sacks. And that was against an offense that is very, very good. And it was on the road. Um, so against Joe Milton and Tennessee, you know, I, I would be shocked if, if there wasn't at least one or two pretty big defensive plays that put a, either, you know, score a touchdown or put Alabama's offense in great position to, you know, score an easy one, you know, right after maybe a, a scoring drive of their own uh, to kind of throw up some quick, you know, quick two touchdowns in a couple of minute period or something. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I like where you're at 42, 14. I would say if I had to pick a final score, I'll go ahead and say 42 to, uh, you know, I'll, go, I'll, I'll say 42, nine. And, you know, if they end up scoring a touchdown and I got to concede that um, that I was wrong, then I'm totally fine with that. But yeah, I think it'll be on some kind of busted coverage or, or anything like that because I just don't and, – and watch, you know, watch us say all this because, A, this is as much rat poison as rat poison gets. Um, and they might play every – you know, I don't know how long we've been recording, but they might play all 45 minutes of this episode in Tennessee's <laughs> locker room um, <laughs> for the next couple of days, and then everybody's going to blame us. But, um, you know, watch – freaking joe milton look like you know not good yeah well I, I, or just incredible you know oh he's yeah obviously capable he's a highly recruited guy people might not remember that you know he saw him in michigan out of high school he was a highly recruited highly sought after kid his entire issue is consistency and especially with ball placement i don't uh, i mean just i've seen i've actually seen regression in that area um, you know, but if he comes out and all of a sudden, you know, you get a Zach Calzada who had looked pretty inaccurate for, you know, the first part uh, of the season when he became the starter and all of a sudden it just all clicked against Alabama. There's a couple of playmakers, uh, for the Vols on offense that can, you know, capitalize on a couple of things. I don't think they're nearly as good as Texas A&M as far as their weapons They're, I mean, the running backs are good, but from a receiving standpoint, um, you actually haven't seen, uh, you know, too many just absolute game changing plays. At tight end, they're okay with Jacob Bourne and and Princeton uh, Font or Fant, which I think is uh, Noah Fant's cousin, uh, the former. Oh, wow. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. you know, NFL tight end was a first round pick to the Denver oh, yeah. Broncos, big part of their offense. Um, we'll see how it ends up playing out, but like I said, I, I don't expect a whole lot of offensive output for Tennessee, but I do expect their defense to to get a couple of stops over the course of the game, and, and that will that's what will keep it from being a high 40s, low 50s, mid 50s kind of game. And if they can't, then Alabama could certainly get up there. Um, so that's going to do it for today's episode. This was fun. Um, you know, next week's the bye week, and I've got some stuff already planned, and I'll be sharing Excellent. that with you. Um, 
you know, soon. And then we'll be sharing it with the listeners, you know, probably by Friday I'll be, uh, or tomorrow, I guess I'll be doing a, a first and 10 and I'll release the schedule for next week. And we got some pretty cool ideas, or at least I do. And I'm going to bounce them off to me and we'll put something together. That'll be fun. But I appreciate you joining me uh, today. Um, and, and we'll talk again soon. All right. This has been the Bama on three show and I'm your host, Clint Lamb. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.